Garrison and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. We are back with another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. We are almost to the end of the week as we gear up for Super Bowl 58 down in Las Vegas between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Um, It feels like weeks like this drag on longer than usual. Um, This is the biggest week of the year. I would say sports-wise, you know, football dominates everything. You're leading up to the Super Bowl. Maybe next to just opening week, opening night, uh, this takes the cake. Of course, it's the Super Bowl. Um, But it doesn't feel like, you know, we have been blessed with a week that just flies by. It's been very busy. We've been very jam-packed. It's nonstop working, and the players have had nonstop interviews down there. But the good thing about reaching Thursday, is now we can really start getting into the nitty-gritty about this game in general, about the breakdown of this game, about the players on each side, about the defense, the offense, the coaching staff, situations, records, all of that. We can start getting into it. And what's so interesting about this game is more so about my feeling I have toward it. I'm Curious what everybody else out there is thinking about this upcoming matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. Number one for me, I think it is undeniable that there's a debate that can be put out there that Brock Purdy is the worst quarterback the Chiefs have faced in the playoffs. It's a debate. I don't think it's much of a debate in Lamar Jackson and Purdy. I don't think it's much of a debate With Josh Allen and Brock Purdy, those two quarterbacks who the Chiefs beat are better than him. You could make a case that Brock Purdy's better than Tua. I've also seen Tua throw for 480 yards and five touchdowns. How much of that is due to an elite receiving core, elite offensive weapons? Well, the same thing can be said about Brock Purdy. The reason I would feel confident about this game... It's because the Chiefs' defense can overwhelm quarterbacks like this. Uh, They were able to overwhelm the league's MVP, a two-time MVP winner, and the best team in football with the best rushing attack. Overwhelm them. They had seven points late into that game, and those seven points came on their second drive of the game, in which they had to go for it on fourth down from their own territory. Brock Purdy is not Lamar Jackson. Brock Purdy is not Josh Allen. And I think if you put Purdy and Tua in good conditions, and let's just say like this one, Las Vegas, it's a dome, I think they play pretty much the same. Um, I think Tua takes more shots down the field, whereas Purdy stays more conservative. And that's been that way for 49ers quarterbacks for a while now. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Alex Smith, maybe Colin Kaepernick was the last quarterback to not be Mr. Checkdown. It's just the way they operate. It's the way Kyle Shanahan's offense operates. They don't want to make too many mistakes. They play to their elite skill weapons. Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. They've got a lot of guys you have to worry about covering. However, I'll argue, I think there were just more explosive teams the Chiefs faced in the postseason and faced on the back half of their schedule. In the regular season, the Chiefs didn't really have that difficult of a schedule. You really can't argue that the Chiefs had great opponents every single week. They really didn't. Detroit was a good one, but that was back in week one. They got Buffalo, but lost to Buffalo. They got Cincinnati without Joe Burrow. They got Philadelphia, but Philadelphia tailed off at the end of the year. In the end, it was just a, a softer schedule. And the Chiefs didn't fare well in it. However, once they got to the postseason, everything seemed to change. Everything was different. 
and all those woes they had, all those problems, all those issues, they were washed away. And they had to go on the road, not once, twice, and had one of the most difficult stretches to a Super Bowl that we've seen in 30 to 40 years. The good thing is now you get a Niners team that, by Vegas standards, is expected to win. I just don't feel that strongly about the 49ers anymore. I really don't. I used to think their defense was an elite-level defense. And I was listening to Colin Coward yesterday talking about brands, and anytime you think about the 49ers, you don't think about their offense. You think about offense with the Chiefs, even though this defense is phenomenal, but we always think about the defense of the 49ers. And maybe that's because the last time these two met, it was in uh, the Chiefs' first Super Bowl in 50 years, and that defense was the reason that they got to the Super Bowl. But the 49ers that year had clobbered some opponents in the playoffs. They clobbered Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, the MVP winner that year. That was a scary team to go up against, and the Chiefs trailed by 10 with seven minutes to go, found a way to win that game by 11. Now the Eagles, the team they faced last year, smoked everybody they were playing in the playoffs. Killed the Giants. Killed the Niners. Had one of the best pass rushes since the 85 Bears. And they had... A high-powered offense. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. No running back duos. Boston Scott was one of them. Kenneth Gainwell, I think, was another one. I think it was a three-headed running back. Miles Sanders, that was the other one. Yeah, it was three-headed running back. Great offensive line. I think there were reasons to fear Philadelphia going into that game last year. For San Francisco this year, hey, the numbers aren't going to lie to you. They're a very good team. They were the number one seed in the NFC for a reason. I just think now, looking back, a lot of those teams that they beat that we thought at one point in time were good, really not so much. Really not so much. We all recall them starting 5-0, and correct? We remember the 5-0 and start. They beat Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. Steelers did make the playoffs, taken to the woodshed by Buffalo. They beat the Rams. Hey, that's a good Rams team in L.A. San Francisco fans took over that stadium. Rams were a first-round exit. And lost very early on in the wild-card round. They beat the Giants. We know how bad the Giants were. They beat the Cardinals. We know how bad the Cardinals were. That Dallas win looked phenomenal at the time. Because the Cowboys were still very much in the race for the top number one seed in the NFC, and they beat the Cowboys 42-10. to Cowboys were a first-round exit against the seventh seed in the Green Bay Packers. Then they had that stretch of three losses, lost to Cleveland, and I believe that was P.J. Walker. And P.J. Walker didn't have a touchdown in the game. Two interceptions, Niners lost. They also lost to the Vikings the next week on, I believe, Monday Night Football. Then they lose to the Bengals, and that was one of the last games that Joe Burrow played. They lost by 14 to Cincinnati, so a a high-powered offense. I remember after that bye week, they smacked Jacksonville. Jacksonville missed the playoffs at the time. Looked like a great win. Not so much. They beat Tampa. Tampa went the furthest of any playoff team they really uh, battled. But Tampa was also very limited. Seattle didn't make the playoffs. Philadelphia, that win in Philly, looked like their best win of the year. Philly got smoked by Tampa Bay in the first round of the playoffs. Seattle, Arizona, beat those two teams, non-playoff teams. Played Baltimore, the best team in football. Brock Purdy had four interceptions in that game, three in the first half, and they lost 33-19. I'm not going to count the last game of the year in which they played the Rams because they did not play their starters in that game. But that's the full breakdown of the 49ers schedule great numbers right top five in scoring top five in scoring defense top five in yards per game top five in rushing yards per game across the board it has been a very good football team that's well coached lots of skilled players talent all over the field i just don't think they've got that killer part to the game that really scares you 
I think every team the Chiefs have faced in the postseason had a real killer instinct that they could use. You know, Miami still had Tyreek Hill and and Jalen Waddell. Now, the conditions made that game a non-factor for them. Or at least it was a non-factor for the Chiefs, not so much for Miami. But Buffalo, they had the knockout punch. They were a heavyweight. Baltimore had a knockout punch. They were a heavyweight. I'm not sold. The Niners are a heavyweight. I think they're a damn good football team. I just don't get the the feeling they are a heavyweight boxer. Because I think a lot of that comes down to your quarterback. If your quarterback is top five in the league, I think that makes you a heavyweight. Honestly, in their two playoff games that they did win, and that is the most important here, you're moving on with W's, Brock Purdy was the worst quarterback in the matchup. When they played the Packers, Jordan Love is the better quarterback, in my opinion. He wasn't at the beginning of the year, but by the end of it, I would take Jordan Love over Brock Purdy. Also keep in mind the way these teams got here. The way the Chiefs got here, the way the Niners got here, is going to sound biased, but the Chiefs had to go on the road twice. They had to play three playoff games, not two. Uh, They had to deal with great quarterbacks, at least two really good quarterbacks, and Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. No, Brock Purdy got Jordan Love, who's very good, but there for the first time. And also, you got Jared Goff, who does have Super Bowl experience, but Jared Goff, I would say, is more so in the Tier 2, Tier 3 range than Tier 1. Patrick Mahomes had to go up against two Tier 1 quarterbacks and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Also keep in mind, the Niners, if Green Bay and Detroit use their special teams properly, aren't here. If Anders Carlson, all the way back in that divisional round game, makes that kick in the fourth quarter, I don't think Brock Purdy is going the length of the field down by seven to win that football game. I don't. I look at the numbers Kyle Shanahan had trailing in the fourth quarter. It just wouldn't have boded well for him. I couldn't have seen it with Brock Purdy. The Lions game, we dissected that in length after it happened. And we all know the collapse that Detroit had. Deciding to be overly aggressive, if they just played a little bit conservatively, a couple of times in that game, twice in my opinion, I think Detroit is here, not San Francisco. Think about the biggest play in that game, too, not with the exception of the, the failed fourth down attempt when Detroit was up by 17. It was the long ball that Purdy had to Brandon Ayuk. It was not a well-thrown ball. He overthrew it and it bounced off the face mask of who? Cam Sutton bounced in the arms of Brandon Ayuk, set him up inside the 10-yard line. If that luck play doesn't happen, does San Francisco score on that drive? I guess they were down by 14 at that point, not 17, but you get the idea. Luck was involved there. I think twice now the 49ers have had a lot of luck in getting here. Anders Carlson missing a sub-50-yard field goal. Dan Campbell just being so overly aggressive to a fault. The bounce off the face mask. Oh, the Josh Reynolds drop. That would have set them up well. The Jameer Gibbs fumble. I mean, it did feel a lot like the playoff run the Chiefs had back in 2018 and 19, or 2019-2020, the Houston game. How many things had to go wrong for the Texans to blow that 24 to nothing lead? But the Chiefs also won 51-31. to They outscored them 51-7 to the rest of the way. Now, San Francisco's barely squeaking by. Not that it really matters in the postseason. A win is a win. It's ugly or pretty. You're moving on. This is not to say the Niners are a bad team. I just don't get this feeling that they are this juggernaut, this gauntlet that typical one seeds are, and the one seed the Chiefs have faced in the playoffs. The first Niners team they faced was a one seed. The Philly team they faced last year was a one seed. This Niners team also a one seed, just not the same field. Jake, what do you think about this San Francisco team and and the number one seed overall, if they really frighten you. I, I think they're a really good football team. They just don't have that killer part to the game where they can knock you out at any given play. I'll push back a little bit. I mean, they did have five All-Pros, and then Nick mm-hmm. Bosa was a second-team All-Pro. I mean, so their their talent is, you know, they can afford to pay pay these players everywhere all over the field because they don't pay their quarterback anything. I do get your point. 
you know, in terms of heavyweight quarterbacks, you know, Purdy doesn't have. I mean, this is his first full season as a starter, mm-hmm. so he doesn't have that pedigree. He doesn't have that past experience. But as your first year as a starter, numbers are pretty good. Um, I, I do think they're a heavyweight. I think that their talent is, is what makes them, especially on offense. Look at their like Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, McCaffrey. That's all world. Like those are weapons. Those are weapons beyond weapons. Those are some of the best weapons in the league. Mm-hmm. And then you put it with the Kyle Shanahan mind. I mean, he he's a he's a, a a really good head coach who you know his knock is he can get there, but he can't win the big one yet. And you know Andy Reid stands in his way again. Um, I I don't I I they were favored in every single one of their games all year long. Not at one yep. point were they an underdog all year long. I think that says also to why this game is right. I, this morning it was a you know Chiefs plus two, you know so the Niners were a two point favorite. Um, I think that's uh, the betting public loves San Francisco. Uh, that's obvious because you look at it and you look at how they're playing as of as of as of late. A neutral site game. I mean, I'm not a handicapper, but this is a pick'em for me. Yeah. You know, um, and and look, Vegas put that spread down there for teams to bet, and I bet they, you know, right now money's looking a lot. A lot of the money's on Kansas City, and that line still hasn't moved. What does scare me, as a Chiefs fan, you know, take off the journalistic hat or whatever, um, is that everybody is picking the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I haven't heard anybody pick the Niners, and when when that is the trend. That that raises my eyebrow, right? Because it's it's usually like when that happens, it's like boom, it, it's it's going to be the Niners. But also sometimes everybody's right. <laughs> sometimes everybody yes. is right. Yes. Um, but I, I think the talent that they have on offense and defense. Look, I, I, their defense has not been playing well, but they have one of the best linebackers in the game. They have one of the best pass rushers in the game. I think their secondary is shaky. I think they can be exposed on the back end. I think outside of Chavarius Ward, their other corners are are totally exposable. Um, and so, you know, you look at the three tiers of their defense, you know, the secondary is, is their clear weakness. Um, you know, Bosa can get caught up. You know, they, I imagine they'll have a similar plan for Bosa as they did in, in, in Super Bowl LIV. Uh, use his over aggression, mm. you know, to you know draw plays. Have him have him over commit on the rush. His aggression getting too far up the field on his rush to take advantage of that. You know, especially with Andy Reid calling screen plays at the right time. Um, and his, his genius in in the screen game, in the passing game. Um, so I mean, they can definitely take advantage. Look, I don't think. I'm not picking the 49ers, but yep. I, I will put them in the category of, of these heavyweights because of not their quarterback, but you look at the Bills and the Ravens, I'll take the Niners' skill positions all day long over those yeah. teams, all day long. Um, now I'd rather have Jackson or Allen as my quarterback. Oh, yeah, but if, if you're giving me you know, one of these offenses, I'm probably taking the Niners' offense. I mean, I, I now for me, it's it's going to be fascinating. Is Spags? He has proven he can scheme up to stop the best offenses. He did that, you know, when they when the the Giants knocked off the undefeated Patriots in the best offense that that at that point in time the NFL had seen with Randy Moss and Tom Brady, and they shut them down. Yeah. So for me, you know, it's going to be exciting to see what, you know, Steve Spagnolo does against Brock Purdy and how Brock Purdy handles it. I mean, because look, he he was great in that Detroit game in the second half. I mean, he was great. He got I mean, he extended plays over and over again. Did he, he made the Lions look silly uh, by getting away on third down and getting getting I mean, how many yards did he have? He had more yards rushing in, in in that game than Lamar Jackson did against the Chiefs. 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he, he's proven. Now, granted, I am not going to put the Lions' defense in the same category as the Chiefs. Because yeah. I'm willing to say the Chiefs have the best defense in the NFL. I'm, I, I'll, I'll put my name behind that statement. They have the best defense in the NFL, and they went and proved it on the road against the Bills and against the Ravens. And they have a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, who's the best in the league, two-time MVP, two-time Super Bowl MVP, who recognizes, okay, I can handle just punting five times in Baltimore and walking away and still winning the game. So with that type of awareness, like, you know, he was fine with that. We didn't see him pushing the ball down the field, making silly mistakes, throwing throwing into windows that weren't open. He'd throw it in the crowd. He would, you know, he he would he would slide on third, you know, not try to go get that extra three or four yards. Mm-hmm. You know, he knew that okay, I have a defense behind me, and that's you know, it's a scary thing. Uh, we saw it, we saw it in Baltimore. So, I, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a just a fantastic Super Bowl. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch the matchups. You know, the the Niners linebackers are all world. You know, Warner's a stud. Um, you know, what what are they going to do with Kelsey and Rice? I mean, because outside of that, you know, I'd love to see M- I, MVS have a big game. Yeah. I mean, and not not a big game, but, you know, have three, or, three or four big catches. You know, on third downs for 15, 20 yards, you know, that that's where they're going to hurt the Niners because I think the Niners are going to say, okay, we'll let Kelsey get his and we'll, you know, try to limit Rice. So I think that's where Pacheco, MVS, like, you know, Noah Gray, these these guys who are role guys just need to make one or two big plays. And I think, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Super Bowl week. Thursday before the Super Bowl, we're you know a few days away, and it's uh, you know it's a slow burn. <laughs> it mean, really is. That's what we open up the show with. I mean this this has to be the longest week of the year. When your team's in it, it feels like these days go on extra long. Now here at the station, there's a lot to be done. There's a lot of work oh, to do. So maybe that's why it's nonstop. Man. It feels like the the work is. It's endless here. The week is endless. I'm exhausted. Yes, it's Thursday, and we're on fumes at this point. Um, but opposite of the players right now, they've had a full week of rest. Yeah, they're doing interviews and having to be out there in front of the public over and over again. But I think they're the opposite of being on fumes. They're jacked up and yeah. ready to go for this game. Uh, that is one thing I want to dive into next here is should we be concerned or comfortable that the Chiefs, after rattling off three wins in a row, back-to-back-to-back weeks, now had a week to rest before taking on the Niners. Niners had rest, too, but the Niners also dealt with a bye in this playoffs. So the Chiefs not really riding that momentum in the way they were the first three. They had time to rest, take a load off, but that may not always be the best thing, though it's been that way the Super Bowl forever. You get that extra week of rest. But should we be concerned or comfortable with it? That's next on ESPN Kansas City. We are back here on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. In Andy Reid's career, he has typically fared well coming off the bye. Uh, whether that be in the postseason or that be in the regular season, an extra week of rest is good for an Andy Reid-led team. I don't know why this specific year feels different. Why uh, it just doesn't feel as comforting to me. A bye week should be good. The Chiefs had a chance to rest Willie Gay, rest Jarek McKinnon, they activated Sky more on the injured reserve, buying to that for what it is. Joe Tooney still likely not going to play, but they had an extra week of rest for him. I don't know, though. I feel like teams that are on a hot streak in the way the Chiefs were, having that bye week may not be the best thing. Can't change it. Super Bowl's always had that, that extra week of rest. Get everybody down to Radio Row. The interviews start happening. We, we build it up to be this monumental thing, as it should be. I just don't think it plays into the advantage that 
the Chiefs getting that extra week of rest is a good thing because the Niners have already dealt with that. The Niners, being a one seed, didn't play in the wild card round. Now they get another bye. So, yeah, they're a little bit more inconsistent. You know, two bye weeks and four weeks. The Chiefs, though, rolled in from the regular season, played the following weekend against the Dolphins, played again the following weekend against the Bills, played again the following weekend against the Ravens. Now you have that rest. Now, you kind of felt like everything was clicking. I could probably guess that the Chiefs players didn't want that bye week. Some of the banged-up guys, I think, absolutely. But when you're playing that well, you want a game every single week. You don't want to have to sit down and, and take a breath and relax. You want to keep rolling. This isn't to say the Chiefs are going to be a completely different team, but it is in my mind. And the same way it's always been in my mind for one seeds. One seeds play their Week 17 game. Sometimes they have the one seed locked up. They won't even play their starters. So there's rest for starters. Then you've got the bye week and the wild card round. And then you're playing a divisional round game two weeks since your last snap. We see the rust happen. I'm not sold there's going to be rust for the Chiefs. I just don't like the fact that the Niners have dealt with the rust and the Chiefs haven't with a bye week in the playoffs. And the Niners did, let's all be honest, they looked rusty against the Packers early on in that game. That, to me, is alarming for a team coming off a bye. The good thing is, though, the Niners are also coming off a bye. They played against the Detroit Lions bye week Super Bowl. Chiefs, same thing. Ravens, bye, Super Bowl. They just were so hot in every way, shape, and form. Offensively, defensively, special teams, play calling. Everything was clicking seemingly for the first time this year. And then to have that halted just for a second, for good reason, it kind of makes you frustrated a little bit. Does it not, Jake, that, man, I kind of wish the Super Bowl was last week, that you just keep riding the high, riding the momentum of, yeah, we've won three in a row. Actually, you go back to five in a row because it was Cincinnati, Chargers with all the backups, and then three playoff wins. I just don't want to believe that momentum is going to stop, but it has to be possible, at least the thought, because bye weeks can do that. You get rest, but then you are just a little bit rusty coming off a of bye week. Yeah, you go too long without pads and hitting. So, I mean, that's I think that's why they went pads early in the week, um, because they went so long without having pads and hitting somebody. Now look, Andy Reid is notoriously good coming off the bye when the other team doesn't have a bye. Right. Mm-hmm. He, he is three and yeah. four when both teams have the bye. He's two and two in the Super Bowl. Uh, earlier in the season, I think when they lost to the Eagles, they were yeah. both coming off a bye. Uh, they lost that game. So he's three and four when both teams are coming off a bye. Um, I think it's good in this sense that I think Travis Kelsey is your best offensive weapon, and the more rest he gets, the better at his age. Yeah. I think he's been dealing with issues all year long. We saw what that week of rest did in Week 18, not playing the Chargers, not yep. going for that 1,000-yard season, having that extra rest, and he looks like a whole different beast in the playoffs. So in that terms, I think when you look at, you know, they, they now if they were going to, you know, it's looking like Joe Tooney isn't going to be uh, available. I, I think, like, if he would have been, you know, in a place where oh that extra week helped him, uh, it's not looking like that's going to be the case. Um, but but you still have Nick Allegretti. But when you look at the age of this team, especially the defense, this is the youngest defense in the league. Yeah. So I, that goes to your momentum thing with this this defense is is what's going for this team right now, and that momentum, you know, going into just ride that into the next week. Now, Super Bowl is weird, man. It's just it's just, it's just a weird deal in terms of it's a different game than any other game. Your halftime's longer, your pregame's different. Um, you know, and so, you know, I I don't know, both teams are on a bye, you know, it's I don't know what to take out of it. I don't I don't know if it would have helped them if they were to play this game last week. In my mind, it's, you know, it's good for Travis Kelsey, and that's the best for the Chiefs. Yeah, getting everybody healthy for this game is, I would say, above all else, the most important. I mean, not having Willie Gay in that game against Baltimore was scary. Now, the linebacking core stepped up to the task. Leo Chanel uh, stepping into that role. Drew Tranquil stepping into that role. But Willie Gay is this team's spy. 
Not really going to have to worry about that with Brock Purdy. right? Brock Purdy's not Lamar Jackson. Brock Purdy's not Josh Allen. Having your full collection of defensive weapons, though, is is what's needed for Steve Spagnuolo. Well, and, and McCaffrey. Yes. Gay versus McCaffrey. That I mean, that's where, you know, Willie Gay is the going. The difference yes, can be made. Absolutely. Because, you know, Chanel doesn't have that side-to-side speed mm-hmm. that Gay does. No one on that on that linebacker core does. So that's where when you have a weapon like McCaffrey that they move out of the backfield, they put him mm-hmm. in the slot, you know, they put him into motion. Willie Gay will be able to impact. I mean, there there were only, I believe, eight games this season that the Chiefs had their full complement of linebackers. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with, you know, Bolton having to go down with, his, I think, his wrist, you know, he, he was out several weeks early. Um, and then, you know, I think Tranquil only missed one game. Uh, he rested that, that same week for the Chargers. But, but for all of these linebackers to be healthy, and I believe they were 6-2 and two in those games. Yeah, I think the, the Lions was the, the first, obviously, week one they were yep. all available. Um, but I, I think it's, it's vital. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's especially – but also, awesome job in the depth that they created. Yeah. You know, Veach bringing in Tranquil, him stepping right in. You know, you don't miss a beat when Gay was, was down in the last couple of weeks. It it really is the next man mentality. It sounds cheesy, right? It's like the old high school football coach saying, but next man up personality and the mentality of that is really what can change a defense. I think when you've got reserves that can step into moments like that, that's what makes a defense so damn good, and that's where the Chiefs are at to me. Yeah, and and, and, and with that said, it's like, who's going to step for a Minihu? Because a Minihu's been awesome. You know, once he came off that suspension, he has been awesome to have yeah. the impact that he had even before that injury. I mean, that that sack fumble was huge. It was a, it, it changed the the whole energy of the yeah, stadium. Yeah, and so to not have that guy rushing on the edge, like they don't, they really don't have any. You know, Karloftis is a different type of pass. He's yeah. he's more of a you know a, an engine guy. He's yep. just going to high keep, motor. Yeah, keep pushing at you. Keep pushing at you. And Minihue turns that corner, and he's a weapon. So I think, you know, that that really sucks, I mean, especially for what that guy's been through, you know, having been in two NFC championship games with the Niners and losing both, you know, and, and then to, to go up against your old team and then not be available. I mean, that's a giant bummer for him personally. And then, you know, for the Chiefs to have to fill that role, you know, to your point, next man up, who's going to be that guy? I mean, it's pretty nice when you have a first-round draft pick that, that you know, that you can place in that, you know. Mm-hmm. But but also, like, now it's, it's time to show. Yeah, th- this is going to be very interesting as to how the Chiefs handle that edge rushing spot. Uh, I imagine Mike Dana is going to be the, the starting edge rusher opposite of George Karloftis. He's not going to be out there for 100% of the snaps. You're going to have to rely on somebody else coming into that game, whether that's who Turk Warden, Malik Herring, um, Felix Enrique Uzama. He's going to have to be an option in this game. In fact, he was interviewed down at Radio Row about being ready, ready to go, and being the next man up. And he seems prepared for that challenge. He was also a healthy scratch against Baltimore yep. two weeks ago. Yep. Um, but he does have some uh, experience playing against Brock Purdy too. He does. He does. Big Twelve foes, former uh, Farmageddon foes. At that, I just. I really hate to to have this strong belief. I hate to have this um, overconfidence because the last time I had the overconfidence in a Super Bowl like this for Kansas City was against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I remember watching that NFC Championship game, and I said, I really hope they get Tampa and not Green Bay because they beat the brakes off Tampa, at least offensively, in the regular season. Remember Tyreek Hill had like 290 in that game? It was ridiculous. Almost broke the, the NFL record. And then the Chiefs had no healthy offensive linemen, and they got smoked. I think that was more as to why they got blasted in that game, was they weren't very healthy. This Chiefs team, aside from a couple of key starters, Charles O'Menohue and Joe Tooney being the biggest of, of those, I think they're pretty much healthy, and that's why I've got some confidence. I've also got confidence that I just... I'm not a big believer in what the Niners have done probably going back to December 15th. Um, I, I think when they were tested against Baltimore, that opened my eyes a lot. I mean, a lot. Because remember we watched Brock Purdy last year and this year? We all were just waiting for that collapse to happen. It was like, no way. 
Mr. Irrelevant is this good. No way Mr. Irrelevant is an MVP conversation. I think that Brock Purdy deserves his flowers. I'm not going to call him a bum. It's just a highly competitive quarterback league. You know how many good quarterbacks are in the AFC? You could fill like two or three divisions. Actually, let's go two because there would just be three divisions in the NFC. You could fill two divisions with great quarterbacks from the AFC. Now, they're pieced together here in the AFC. You know, the AFC West has Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. The AFC North has Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. Uh, you look at the AFC South, now you got C.J. Stroud. You know, maybe down the road, Anthony Richardson can be that guy, but I'm not going to put him in that category just yet. The NFC, I mean, you look at the, the playoffs alone. Right, you had... Dak Prescott uh, was an MVP candidate at one point. Has always had that bad stigma of can't win in the playoffs. Uh, Brock Purdy, you know, Mr. Irrelevant. Jordan Love uh, was a backup to Aaron Rodgers for years. Jared Goff was traded away from Detroit because they wanted to, or traded away from L.A. because they wanted to go acquire a big-time winner, or at least a uh, higher upside in Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford got to a Super Bowl and won it, where Jared Goff got to one and lost theirs. Now you look at another part of the NFC, Baker Mayfield, you know, bounced around the league a little bit. They're just not as elite, I would say, on the NFC side of things. And when the NFC has good quarterbacks, not great ones, it kind of comes back on the team that always gets to the Super Bowl. It's like last year, I remember with Jalen Hurts, damn good quarterback. But I was like, who did he beat? He beat. Basically, it was Josh Johnson at the end of that game for San Francisco, and he beat Daniel Jones to get to the Super Bowl. That comes back on you. Whereas this year, you know Patrick Mahomes having to go through Tua, Allen, and Lamar, three quarterbacks that at one point in time were all considered to be MVP candidates. And then for Brock Purdy, it's Jordan Love and Jared Goff. This is such a quarterback-driven league that my confidence, and I feel like a lot of people's confidence, come from, well... Just look at the quarterback. Don't look at the weapons around him. Because in a Super Bowl, I always feel like it's your quarterback that has to take you above and beyond. You you can have a great defense in that game. You can have a, a great rushing attack. You can have great special teams. But really, when the game's on the line, it comes back to who's your quarterback and can they win you that football game. Patrick Mahomes has done that. Brock Purdy, the last two playoff games, technically has it's also taken a lot of luck. I don't think there's been a lot of luck in Patrick Mahomes winning the last two playoff games. I really don't. Maybe Tyler Bass's missed field goal is luck. The Chiefs were also you know, crunching that Bills defense. They were averaging over eight, nine yards a play. If that game goes into overtime, I'm probably putting house money down on the Chiefs. You know, against Baltimore, they led by double digits for an extended part of the second half. Both times, San Francisco needed a lot of luck to get there. If there wasn't any luck involved, I don't think Brock Purdy wills them to victory. And it's also why, looking at this game, let's say the Chiefs have a similar start as they did against Baltimore. They get the ball to open the game, drive down the field effortlessly, and score. As with the other two teams they faced, Baltimore and Buffalo, I always thought, you know, seven's obviously not enough. And seven's not going to be enough to win this game. It's the Super Bowl. It's going to be a highly contested game. It's going to be close. But I almost wonder mentally if that takes a shot at Purdy far more than it ever did Lamar and Allen. Brock Purdy immediately having to overcome a deficit is tough on him. We even saw it against the Lions. You know, the first half, only seven points. Brock Purdy had a bad interception as well. Now, that Niners team is different when playing from behind as opposed to ahead. Very similar to Baltimore in that manner. they got to play from ahead. If they're not, they change their game. For the Chiefs, they arguably are better when they're trailing. If the Niners are the team to jump out 7-0, I feel like the defense is going to adjust under Steve Spagnuolo and the offense is going to eventually find their groove. I don't know. Maybe I need to you know, have a reality check here and a gut check because I don't think – this Niners team is as weak as I am putting them out to be. They're obviously here for a reason. They were a number one seed for a reason. They're top five in numerous categories. But, man, it is weird that in the NFL, quarterbacks really dictate everything. It's how you view a team. Like, if you looked at the Miami game and were fearful of Tua, that's your problem. The reason that game wasn't as scary is because Tua was the quarterback and Tua wasn't good in cold weather. 
there's a reason that even when the Bills were struggling, teams feared Buffalo because Josh Allen was there. There's a reason people fear Baltimore. It's not because of Gus Edwards, because of Lamar Jackson. There's a reason when people fear the Niners, it's not Brock Purdy, it's Christian McCaffrey. It's George Kittle, it's Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. It's the weapons around him. And this Chiefs defense is, I think, best equipped to slow down the handful of weapons the Niners possess. Okay, before we wrap up the show, I do want to dive a little bit more into the injuries of this game and how it can impact the outcome. That's next on ESPN Kansas City. We are wrapping up the shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. There are some key injuries for the Chiefs going into the Super Bowl against the San Francisco 49ers, Super Bowl 58 down in Las Vegas. We've had tons of media presence down there all week long. Busy week and a week that is dragged on as we all wait for 5.30 p.m. on Sunday. But as we continue to break down the game, it's important that we bring up the injuries that are going in. Jake brought up Charles O'Menehue. We brought up Joe Tooney, two guys that are key key players for Kansas City. Uh, Charles Amenehue, you could make a great case, was the second best pass rusher behind Chris Jones. I know George Karloftis had the numbers. I think George Karloftis' numbers was probably due to Chris Jones taking on double teams and Amenehue being able to win his one-on-one battles on the opposite side. Not having Amenehue is crucial. Crucial, crucial, crucial. Mike Dana is serviceable. Okay, Turk Warden, serviceable. Felix Enrique Uzama, I don't think he's gotten his feet wet enough to be in a spot like this. That is going to show at times in this game when you don't have the athleticism, the length, the speed of Charles O'Menehue. And that, I think, is more alarming to me than Joe Tooney being out because unlike O'Menehue, Tooney missed all of the Baltimore game. Well, They played with Nick Allegretti in the Baltimore game and didn't really have any issues with their zone runs. Creating holes, pass protection. Nick Allegretti did just fine. I'm not overly concerned about that. It seems like Joe Tooney's not going to play. Andy Reid said it's unlikely. He's still trying to push. It's just, it's probably not going to be in the cards for him. Um, with Elmenehue, there are there are better options on the defensive line than. Maybe other positions on the field, like if they were to lose Legereus Sneed, I I would very much be alarmed at the fact that a Jalen Watson or Joshua Williams is stepping into that role. Not that they have not gotten their feet wet. They played in the Super Bowl last year. It's just a big drop-off. They're without Chris Jones. You know, it's obviously detrimental to this team. It's just with the defensive line, there's a lot of help there. There's a lot of guys who have started games there. Mike Dana was a starter, I believe, in week one, two, and three last year. And even this year, he did start because Charles O'Menohue was out. So there's the experience that you're hoping for. It's also two very different players. You listen to Jake say before our break in, in segment number two that George Karloftis kind of is that high-motor guy. He's not somebody that just dominates the one-on-ones. He's not somebody that has the fantastic footwork. He doesn't have the brute strength that Chris Jones have of has of shoving, you know, 340-pound men back into their quarterback's lap. He doesn't have that. And that's where it can become a little bit problematic where you got Mike Dana and Karlovitz that are both just high-motor guys. Now, I, I'm not a huge believer in the Niners' offensive line, but this also gives them another reason to really clamp down on Chris Jones. You no know, doubling on the interior. It wouldn't surprise me, Jake, and I'm curious your thoughts, if Chris Jones gets 20% of his snaps on the edge, 25% of his snaps. I know you want to make sure that interior is taken care of, and also you got to factor in that you know, Derek Nottie had surgeries, missed this postseason, so you're already weak up there. You got to get a pass rush, though. You got to make sure that you can get heat on Brock Purdy. He's not somebody that is going to try to improvise a lot of plays. He doesn't have the speed of Jackson of eluding that. He doesn't have the throw power of Josh Allen, who can escape the pocket and throw it 40, 45 yards down the field against his body or across his body. You got to get heat on Brock Purdy because that's how you really discombobulate this Niners offense. You got to get heat there. And that also means Steve Spagnolo. 
who I would put faith in Spags. He's probably drawing up a lot of schemes, a lot of blitzes, a lot of disguised blitzes to make that difficult on Purdy. There's also a lot of weapons to throw to for San Francisco, the dump-offs. That's what's made them so good all season long. The dump-offs to McCaffrey, the dump-offs to Kittle, the dump-offs to Ayuk, to Samuel. Those are not guys that go 40 yards down the field and win those one-on-ones. Brandon Ayuk a little bit, but Debo Samuel and Kittle and McCaffrey are very much in front of you. They're in front of you know the first 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. They're more of a make-you-miss. And if your blitzes aren't working, if you aren't getting any heat, it's going to be all day for Brock Purdy. All those those options are going to be easy for him. So I'm curious, Jake, if you think Spags takes that risk of maybe leaving the middle of the defensive line, the middle part of it, a little bit weaker, but you may get stronger on the outside for a couple of plays in Chris Jones being an edge rusher. I think you might occasionally see it. I don't think he's going to go to it at, at an exorbitant level. Um, I mean, because they did play almost uh, three quarters. A minute he got hurt halfway through the second quarter, uh, and they were still they were still asserting their dominance on that defense, especially in the second half of that game against the mm-hmm. Ravens. Because um, it's kind of like Robin Peter to pay Paul. Why you mentioned it? Why Chris Jones is so valuable is because he does demand that double team in the middle, and that and that you know I think they'll throw numbers at the other side where Minahue I, I think. I think what you might see in overcompensation from, or maybe blitzes from that side. I think he'll have a, some special blitzes that that you know whether it's coming from a safety blitz or you know linebacker blitz. I, I think you're gonna he's gonna mix more of those in to cover that pass rush. Um, I I don't think. I mean, I would twenty percent or twenty five percent from the edge. Chris Jones moving over there uh, might be a bit high for me. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked to see it either. I wouldn't be shocked to see it. I mean, that's sounds like something Spags would totally do. Um, and, and Chris Jones has proven that he can be effective rushing from the outside. So it wouldn't be crazy. I wouldn't hate seeing it. I just, I just think you might take away some of the value that Chris Jones brings in terms of having him push back in that middle and collapse that pocket, um, allowing for that blitz to really pay off, um, getting – Purdy out of the pocket, um, so I don't know that. Like that's just another another facet that that's going to be just really exciting to watch as a fan. Like, what are they going to do? Where are they yep. going to go with that? What Spags going to do? And, uh, and that's why I have so much faith in it. And I think that's why a lot of people are, are so confident because time and time again, even you know the talk out. On Radio Row, you know, things that are outside the box or these conversations are really happening is assistant coaches and coordinators don't get mentioned for the Hall of Fame very often mm-hmm. or if ever. Yeah. And his name's being brought up out there. You know, if he was to win this Super Bowl, I mean, he's orchestrated some of the best defenses, you know, against some really damn good offenses and won Super Bowls with them. You know, so... I, I don't know. I don't. You didn't see that a whole lot against Baltimore. Yeah. Them moving Chris Jones, but also they didn't have time to prep for it, and maybe that's what they've been installing. You know, um, so I, it's absolutely not crazy to think that, um, and I wouldn't be shocked. But I just I think you know Chris Jones is so valuable in the middle of that defense. And to your point, you know Derek Nottie is is out, so you you are already thin in that position. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's going to be fascinating to watch. On the offensive side of things, do you believe Sky Moore gets any run in this game? Zero. Not even a chance. None. Is that because of the, I wouldn't say recent and not really much of an emergence, but Richie James has kind of taken that role? Or is there just no... Who you've won with is who you've won with. No why screw shake up with the, it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, why screw with it? That's where I'm at as well. So same thing goes for Kadarius Tony, in your opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, the only place I'd want—I mean, I, and I don't—both inactives where I would like to see both those guys. If you were to use Tony, his value would be from a punt returning aspect. I mean, I think if you see him on that field, if he is active on Sunday, I think he'll strictly be as a punt returner. Mm. But then again, like 
Richie James hasn't been bad. He's been very no, solid. You he catch the ball, it's fine. Yeah, you catch the ball, and he's had some good returns, too. I mean, he had a really good return against Miami. Uh, so it's just, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't I don't foresee either one of them being active. Mm-hmm. If one of the two were active, I would th- think it would be Tony, and his role would be simply to have that extra weapon on special teams. It is. Um, because he does. He does have the longest punt return in he does. Super Bowl history. I've almost thought that. You know, but if you activate him, there's not really a sneak attack or a surprise because you would know that's the only place he's going to make an impact. Sky Moore, on the other hand, I I would rather activate Tony over Sky Moore. Absolutely. I think I think Tony could provide you a little bit more, not much, but a little bit more. I think you're exactly right, though, in terms of those guys they just activated. It doesn't make sense. Um, not with missing the last couple weeks. It only disrupts the flow. It disrupts the chemistry of the way the offense has been playing. It's the best it's looked. Right? That, that's the hilarious thing of these last three weeks. It's the best it's looked because Kadarius, Tony, and, and Sky Moore are not out there. They're not taking snaps. They're not you know, having congestion in the middle of the field, uh, dropping passes, tipping balls up in the air where they wind up in the hands of an opposing cornerback. I.e. New England, and, and that's yeah. one of the most frustrated we'd seen Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. Yeah. And I think that was the end of Kadarius Tony. I think that was absolutely the end, and Sky Moore got hurt, I think, a few weeks before that, right? I do not think it's a coincidence whatsoever that that Cincinnati game, because that was right after the Raiders game, I believe. That was Christmas Eve. This offense has looked totally different. I throw out the Chargers game. That was all backups in there. But even then, there were times it looked a little bit smooth. Uh, not much. But in those meaningful games, no surprise. Sky Moore and Tony not active. I'd imagine they're not going to be active for Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the Niners. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. We'll wrap up the week tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City.